0: This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. Welcome to Untangled, a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast following Heidi, who is Swiss, and Henry, a Brit. We explore the UK-Swiss cross-border issues faced by this international couple in connection with their family lives and their assets and businesses. But before they're happily ever after, there's a lot they need to think about. And we will stay with them in good times and in bad. Hello, I'm Alice Martin, a private client lawyer in our Zurich office. And I'm joined today by Sophie Hart, another English qualified lawyer based in our Geneva office. And Gregoire Aldrie, who is a partner, Swiss qualified, also specialising in private client and also based in our Geneva office. We're here today to talk about Henry and Heidi. They are in love they're definitely getting married. Henry is British and has moved to Switzerland to join Heidi, who is Swiss. And now their lives are unfolding together. They're talking about the cheerful topic of should they put in place wills. So let me begin by asking you, they're quite a young couple. They don't have any kids. They come from international families and there's quite a lot of asset in both families. Do they really need wills?
1: Invariably, the answer to that is always yes. It's always much better to express your wishes and have a record of your thoughts written down somewhere. Given that Henry and Heidi are so young, I imagine also that their parents as well will really want clarity and certainty as to how their assets are going to pass. And so having wills in place will provide that comfort.
0: Absolutely. And as we discussed in an earlier episode with uh, my colleague, Michael Wells Greco, wills are important, but we also talked about the marital property regime and how that can have a separate impact. So we won't go into that now. What would happen though, can I ask, if they were to die without wills?
2: Well, you need to first ask yourself, where would they be uh, residing slash domiciled at at the time of their death? I am putting a bit of emphasis uh, on between, you know, residing slash domicile because those notions are not uh, equivalent uh, in Switzerland and in the UK. So that's one layer of complexity. Um, and then once you look at that, it will you know, give you the, the answers to which law will apply. So in our case, and let's assume for a moment now they are both living in Switzerland, from a Swiss point of view, if they pass away without a will, well, Swiss law will kick in, apply to their state, the worldwide estate, and immediately comes in the notion of forced heirship, which some um, of us are familiar with. <laughs> Not everyone is, but basically, they, it's it's a it's a portion of your estate that will, by operation of law, will waste in, in favor of some of the heirs, and there's nothing you can do against that. So, by making wills uh, or some type of will, sometimes you can you can arrange the situation. We'll come to that a, a bit later. So that's from the Swiss law uh, side of things. Um, I imagine it's pretty much the same in England in terms of passing away without a will.
1: Exactly, Gregoire. If they don't have wills in place, intestacy rules are going to kick in and they are um, the very nature of them is that they're uncertain. And so it's always better to avoid that if it's possible. And with an international couple, as you rightly mentioned, concepts of residence and domicile don't always line up with each other, just as the concepts of succession laws and tax laws interplay with one another and don't often align as well. And so it may be that certain succession rules from one country, be it Switzerland or England, will apply to one or both of their estates and tax laws may apply in a completely different manner. And so having, having all these elements bouncing up against one another, it's very important to have clarity and certainty and putting a will in place helps that.
0: So it's not a gloomy thing to do. Uh, They should be very cheerful about getting their wills ready because it's going to help them understand which country's law is going to apply to the succession, as in who actually gets what, and which country's laws will apply to the tax position. We'll come on to tax a bit later. But thinking about the different countries, so do do they need an English will or a Swiss will?
1: Again, this the answer is different for both of them. And the answer, as lawyers love to give, it, it depends <laughs> on the circumstances. Um, the first thing, as a rule of thumb, we typically look to do is see where they are resident, because that's, that's the place that they are living, that's the place they created their home, and that's the place that we think, well, we assume that they'll be based when they die. And so Heidi here in our example, she she seems to be relatively simple. She's a Swiss national. She's living in Switzerland. We understand she's got assets in Switzerland. And so on the face of it, it seems that a Swiss will would be the most appropriate thing for her.
2: So what would that look like, Gregoire? Maybe pausing there indeed on what we mean by Swiss will, that would be a, a will that would comply with the formalities and requirements for a will to be valid under Swiss law. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Swiss law will apply to the estate. We can discuss that also later. Um, but that means it's it's a will that can be either fully handwritten in a very uh, simple manner, uh, signed uh, by, by the, the stater, and that will work, or it's a will that has to be signed in form of, of a notary. That, that's a Swiss will. Um, but also the wording and, and the type of notions we're going to be using in it will be um, a will that will be easily understood by the court in Switzerland or the authorities, land register or banks, for example. So that's what we call a Swiss will. But again, that doesn't mean necessarily that Swiss law will apply to the estate. Thank you. So essentially, when you said that Swiss wills are
0: handwritten, coming from an Anglo background, that terrifies me. I can't read my own handwriting, uh, let alone anyone else. Whereas for a will to be valid under English law, it's a bit different, isn't it, Sophie?
1: Yes. So the rules are seem to be more formal in inverted commas under English law in that wills need to be signed in front of, in the presence of two witnesses, the two witnesses themselves then need to sign in the presence of each other and the testator. And there's a couple of other more formal requirements that can't take place in a handwritten will
0: under English law. Right. So they might end up with more than one will, and you don't want the wills to revoke each other, because I know that's a risk. But, But typically, do we want them to have
2: more than one will? From a Swiss point of view, at least, um, we try to keep, uh, to all possible extent, things simple. So if we can have one will governing the entire state, that's all for the best. However, and quite often, it's not that simple, depending on the nature of your assets and where they're located. Typically, if you have real estate um, in England, looking here at Sophie, correct me if I'm wrong, but there you will most probably want to have a UK wheel. Um, So starting point, we try to keep things simple, have one will. Uh, If it doesn't work, then we will indeed have to have several wills uh, in different jurisdictions.
1: Precisely. And that's one point where Swiss lawyers and English lawyers are very much aligned in our thinking that simplicity is always the first goal. If it's appropriate, one will is always better. Although we would need to be incredibly mindful of the language that is used and the specific provisions that are used in wills that are following the law of a country dealing with assets that are in a different country to make sure that those provisions translate well into the second country where the assets are going to be looked at.
2: We, we often run in, into cases where people moving from England to Switzerland, they already have wills in place. Mm. And then they say, well, I'm just going to do a Swiss will. but So they, they do a Swiss will, but they use the, the same wording, basically, as what they have in, in English wills. And then you have notions of, of trust trustees and, and others, trust of the, of the estate and so on. And things get very complicated from, from a Swiss law point of view when you start using those words. So if you redraft your will, you also have to be very careful you know, with the wording used. So it really helps to be able to talk it through with
0: someone who's familiar with the UK and the Swiss aspects. So, so you've said that things are relatively simple for Heidi. Swiss national, Swiss domiciled, Swiss assets, Swiss will. What about Henry? He's a Brit who I think hasn't been in Switzerland that long. We don't know if he's here forever, so we should assume he's still got a UK domicile?
1: Absolutely. On the basis that he hasn't been here very long, we're not sure if he's going to. he and Heidi are going to make their home here forever. They're, they're very young. They've got the whole lives ahead of them to move around. It's assumed that he'll be treated as having retained his English domicile, certainly at least for now. And so on the basis of that, that would mean that English law would apply to the succession certainly of his English assets and his English estate, but also possibly his assets that are not real estate outside of the UK as well. And UK tax would also apply to his worldwide estate. And we'll we'll have a quick chat about the fun topic of tax (laughs) in a little bit. So in these circumstances, we would typically consider that an English will may be the most appropriate thing, certainly for his English assets, for the time being. Whether he's comfortable having a having provisions within his English will to cover his Swiss assets, as Gregor rightly mentioned, using appropriate wording that doesn't necessarily use the inherently archaic wording that are found in traditional English wills and concepts of trusts and trustees. Glitch. So
0: things that don't scare the Swiss authorities.
1: Yes, we like to throw them in our English wills, even though we don't. Cre- they don't necessarily create long-lasting trusts. It's something that's not necessarily automatically understood here. And so making sure the wording is appropriate, it may be that Henry is entirely comfortable covering all his assets within one English law will. Alternatively, he may actually find it much more familiar and comfortable with him to have two separate wills. But again, we need to be very careful on the wording to make sure they don't revoke each other, to make sure they sit nicely with one one another and work together.
0: That might bring us on then to the slightly more um, tricky topic of tax. It's more than we can go into in great detail here. Um, but briefly, can I, can I ask for some comments on what are the tax issues the two of them might face if I suppose it depends who they want to leave their assets to.
2: Well, from a Swiss angle, and and that's also sometimes the reason why Switzerland is attractive for for relocation, is that in many cantons, the inheritance tax rate will be extremely low, if not nil. Um, And and that's, um, for some people, certain age might not apply to our case here, they're still very young, but some people who substantial wealth or, you know, companies and others, it's, it's very attractive to think about that. But it will very much depend on the canton. And also um, bear in mind if, if you have real estate abroad, well, then, you know, other inheritance tax um, will apply, uh, obviously. So that, that's a factor. Um, another element maybe Sophie can comment on, which we often run into, which makes things a bit complicated, is... Um, Again, the fact that depending on the notion of, of domicile, um, it could be that for tax reasons, the same individual or family might be considered being domiciled in both countries. Mm. And, and, but then we have double tax treaties that kicks in, but you always, as a, as a lawyer, would like ideally to bring your client to a situation where we don't even have to look at those because there is no potential double tax uh, uh, situation. Maybe, Sophie, if you want to add anything on that.
1: Absolutely. The concept of domicile under Swiss law and under English law is very different. And from an English perspective, domicile is very sticky and it's very, very hard to lose. And so especially as Henry has only just moved to Switzerland, and as we mentioned before, we we don't know what his plans are. It's very likely that he may still be deemed to be English domiciled, which means that England would try to look to tax to charge his worldwide estate to inheritance tax which may conflict with what Swiss law will say, which is, as you say, is where the, the tax treaty comes into play. And I think another interesting point about the differences between the two and the explanation of why it's so complex is that under Swiss law, and Gregor, perhaps you can talk a little bit more about this, is that the rates of tax vary depending on whom is actually going to benefit from the assets. Whereas under English law, aside from leaving everything to your spouse, the the rate of tax is very much the same regardless of whether it's children, siblings, or parents who are going to inherit.
2: No, that, that's right. In um, in Switzerland, it will very much vary um, depending on who's going to inherit. The general rule being that if you leave everything to your children and or your, your wife, um, it, it's a close circle of people. So the, the, the tax is either, you know, either very low or, or inexistent. The issue we have sometimes going back to the wording of the, of, of the, and the content of the wheels is that typically, again, when you use um, English type of wheels in Switzerland, and you say, um, with wording such as, you know, my, my estate will go to my trustee first for them to pay the expenses and everything, then to my children. Well, we had situation where tax authorities considered that, well, everything was going to the trustee, i.e. a third party, and were tempted to apply highest tax rate. And we had to argue and explain. So those are situations where you, you really don't want to, to be in. And, and and again, hence the importance of, of, of the wording, careful wording. And you mentioned fourth airship, which means
0: for Swiss law, you have to leave some portion of your assets to your children, for example, if you have children. Did you say there was something about being able to elect for English law? So if he, if Henry has a Absolutely. Swiss will?
2: Yes. Um, under Swiss law, um, for foreigners living in Switzerland can... Either they, they do nothing in a sense of they're just write their will and then Swiss law will apply, or they have this option of electing for their the law of their nationality. But that's um, only if they're not also Swiss, okay? And but that's gonna that's gonna change in the future to align a bit with the with the broader rules within the EU. Um, but for the time being the situation is Henry can elect to, for English law to apply to his succession and therefore giving him the freedom Uh, That you have under English law to choose who's going to inherit, and then you're no longer bound by forced heirship. An alternative to would be, but that's also another topic we could be discussing one day. Instead of writing a will, you could be signing an inheritance contract, which, if everybody, which will bound, will be binding on all parties signing it, and therefore you can suddenly uh, ignore the the forced heirship rules to some extent. So, So if
0: you have children, grown-up children and you want not to leave your assets to them, provided they agree, it's okay. Switzerland loves consensus, don't we? (laughs) Provided we talk it through in advance, uh, everyone's happy. So thank you both so much for taking the time to talk this through with me now. I will go back to Heidi and Henry and tell them it's good news. There's lots of options, but we're going to be able to help them achieve what they want with their wills. So Gregoire, Sophie, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for listening to this podcast part of our series Untangling the UK-Swiss cross-border issues faced by Heidi and Henry. You can find the rest of this series at the Charles Russell Speechley's website or on Podbean, iTunes and Spotify. Here we have discussed the UK and Swiss legal issues at high level only, based on current law and legal practice. This does not contain legal advice. If you or your clients would like to know more about any of the things we've discussed, please get in touch with your Charles Russell Speechley's contact or email us at untangled at C-R-S-B-law.com. Thank you. This is
2: a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast.